Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The why behind standing up for myself in the lawsuit mm -hmm. is truly because of diversity of thought. It's your First Amendment rights. It's freedom yes, of speech. It is. This is cancel culture. Correct. In real time before our very eyes. Correct. And you stood against it. And I was shaking to walk back in that building after the suspension because I knew even more people hated me then for my opinions. You went into the lion's den. But the only reason I was able to is because of the prayer that my dad made us recite at that moment. Welcome to the Stacks cast. I'm Eric Stackelbeck. We are in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're here with the one and only Sage Steele. Now, Sage is a podcaster herself. She's nationally recognized speaker. She's going to be an author soon and also, of course, longtime top anchor for ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Today, we're going to talk about that experience with Sage. Cancel culture, an issue a lot of our viewers have been concerned about. Christian conservative viewpoints being shut down. And Sage, I would say she was a victim of cancel culture, but folks, she's anything but. She has gone above and beyond to overcome the efforts to cancel her. Sage, Thanks so much for joining us here on the StaxCast. Thank you. What a nice intro. Hey. Thank you. Well, I you know. deserve it. And you were so nice to come here, by the way, and brave the elements. Uh, <laughs> the blizzard of Nashville. The blizzard, blizzard of, of Nashville 24, like eight inches here. Oh, my gosh. And you've braved the elements. You've come down. And we really appreciate it. It's an it. honor. When, when I, you know, start to communicate with you and your team, it's, yeah. it was really an honor. I think that's yeah. one of the, the best parts about being canceled from my prior life, I guess, yeah. a couple months ago, is that like I wouldn't have been allowed to do things like this. Yeah. And that's why I think there's so many blessings with it. You've got the freedom. And we were talking before we came on camera, Sage, this is a new season in your life. Yeah. And, and God has great things. You're just getting started. As crazy as that sounds, after 16 years at ESPN, you're just getting started. Okay. Yeah. We've got a lot to unpack. And we want to unpack the ESPN situation, obviously, what you're doing now, what's in store cancel culture, your experience with that. But let's start with Sage, the woman, and your background and where you grew up and how you, what brought you first of all to ESPN? I know you're kind of an army brat, yes. I guess you would say. Yes. Your dad's an amazing guy. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yes, proud army brat. Um, by the time I was 11, I lived in four different countries. So all I knew was change and moving and adjustments and meeting new people and like true diversity where I lived in Belgium, for example, for three years. And you know, to my left, they spoke French. To my right, they, we had a Norwegian family down the street. They were from Turkey. We spoke English. You know, kids figure stuff out. You just yeah. wanna play kickball. Kids are resilient. They're the best. We're yeah. the ones that screw them up. That's so <laughs> it's honestly that, that, I thought that was normal though, moving and yeah. constant change and this is, in the 70s and 80s um, when, you know, there was no internet. Right. <laughs> and so in order to keep in touch with your friends when you're little, you have to, yeah. you know, write a handwritten letter and snail mail across the pond, you know? Yes. So um, Panama, where I was born, 
Uh, my dad uh, went to West Point, went back later to coach at West Point, um, played freshman football. Yeah. While he was there, Mike Krzyzewski, one of his classmates from West Point, was also a, an assistant coach with the Army basketball coach team. Coach K, that's right. Um, coach K, Coach Knight, like that's all right. the ties are really awesome. And coach coach Bill K Parce was Coach Knight's protege exactly. back in the day, that's right. Coach Bill Parcells was a football coach, yeah. one of my dad's coaches. Like there's a lot of cool ties from West and Point. And your dad's kind of a West Point legend yes. and a barrier breaker at West Point. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. The first black man to play varsity football ever wow. at Army, West Point. And Very he was cool. All-American, he was big tight end. And at that, you think back to the 60s, mid 60s, for a um, six foot, six and a half inch man, that's a big guy back then. Yeah. Now all the tight ends are about that size, right? right? They're but all bronc. 50, 60 years ago, it yeah. wasn't that way. Um, and then was actually drafted by the Detroit Lions wow. in the 17th round. Um, hey. Even though back then, like there was no chance for you to go you know, s skip your five-year commitment to right. a service academy and go play, like what happens now. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow, that would be cool. And onward, I have an obligation to my country. And he ended up serving 23 years, retired as an, an Army colonel. But during that time, so it was Panama, West Point, Indianapolis, back at the old uh, Fort Benjamin Harrison, no longer uh -huh. exists, Monterey, California, Fort Ord, where they sent him to the Defense Language Institute to wow. teach him. He had to learn Greek, fluent, in 10 months. Greece for two and a half years, Belgium for three years, Colorado Springs for five years, Indiana okay. went to high school, and then college, and then 20 more moves with TV. What about journalism? Why sports broadcasting now? I think you ran track in high school? High school, though. In high school, That's you did. It. And I was So you average. weren't like a huge sports person, per se. I was a, I was a huge sports fan. Okay. Uh, and two younger brothers, um, my father, who was an athlete, my mom was athletic. Um, you know, living in yeah. Europe, we didn't get, it was hard. You only had one English speaking TV station in the eighties. So on Saturdays and Sundays, what was on? It was always, you know, during the football season, it was always Cowboys. Mm -hmm. That's America's team, right? Cowboys are, despite <laughs> the drama. Well, you're talking constantly. to a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but I know. I'll let it slide. The okay. accent, you guys, like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but Cowboys Redskins at the time was just the biggest rivalry, right? That, it was. We always saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the NBA, you know, Lakers, Celtics. So. On weekends, what was on Great TV times. was those games. And so yep. I grew up around that. And then I was 11 when I told my parents I wanted to be a sportscaster. Wow. The stories in the book someday are going to be. And the book's coming. We're going to hold you to that. Good. Yeah, yeah. You, need to, you need to push me. It's a hard process. But yes. I just love those times. I love the struggle. Yeah. I love, and it was 11 years of different jobs in mm -hmm. South Bend and Indianapolis and Tampa and then DC, yep. Baltimore before I, I got the call from ESPN. And um, you know, so number one, no one can ever say I didn't work and struggle yeah. and get a ton of rejection um, and question and cry and run away and then pick myself back up. Many stories along the way that I, there was a, a major fork in the road where, you know, am I gonna face the fear or run away? And I faced it more times than I ever dreamt of, you know? Uh, but I, I will say this, I got the call from ESPN in 2004. I didn't go until 2007. Wow. I actually turned down the first offer. Really? After that being my dream my whole life. Yeah. Wow. What was the I, reason? Can you share the I reasons? Was, yeah, I, I was pregnant with my second child, like very reason. pregnant. Yeah. I had a 21 month old at home. I knew I wanted more. And um, you know, Stuart Scott. Of course. Late, great. The awesome legendary sportscaster. Yes. Yep, he died of cancer nine years ago. I can't believe it. He was a dear friend of mine, and I always say this when I speak publicly about him because 
people see him as booyah and like all of the, um, Stuart believed in me before I believed in myself. Wow. Stuart pulled me aside. He didn't even know me that well, but we had the same agent at the time. He pulled me aside. He's like, yeah. listen, um, make sure you're ready to come to ESPN. Really? It is, you'll get eaten alive. And especially as a, a young wow. mother, um, again, different time. And yeah. it, you were not celebrated for that back mm -hmm. then, not even close. And so I, I knew that I would have to be all in and I was, I was afraid that I would not then have a, a third child as I wanted because yeah. I was trying to get through number two here. And so I prayed about it and I um, didn't tell anybody until I told them, my husband at the time, um, my parents, my agent, and I said, I'm not gonna take it. And they looked at me like, you're crazy. My agent- I'm sure your agent in particular. Oh, she was like, you're being stupid. I love you, but you're being stupid because ESPN doesn't need you. You need ESPN and you're gonna get blackballed and they're never gonna call you back. Are you prepared to take that chance? And I just had been raised in such a strong family knowing that that's what comes first. Yeah. And if you sell out for that, I just knew that I'd always regret it. Cause I knew I wouldn't want to get to ESPN and still have kids based on yeah. the environment and our culture at that time. Mm -hmm. um, they might say the right things, but behind closed doors, what decisions are they making if you're the pregnant girl on yes. national TV? So um, turned it down, took a chance, signed another contract at Comcast Sportsnet, Mid-Atlantic mm -hmm. and DC Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and signed for three more years. Had a third kid, and they called back in 2007. It was the best, it's probably one of my more proud moments because I, I had to actually practice what I had been preaching, what my parents were preaching. Yeah. And I, if, I had, if I was told by a trusted source that it's not a, a friendly environment yeah. to go to the worldwide leader while you're still having babies, again, a very long time ago, then how could I go there how could I do that and always regret mm -hmm. not having more kids? So I'm really, I'm, it's one thing I can publicly say I'm, I'm proud of yeah. is that I chose my family, always. Amen, always, always. I think everyone watching right now will be inspired by that, Sage. I mean, you took a total leap of faith. It was almost like a dream deferred. I mean, it was yeah. your life, the worldwide leader, ESPN. And to say no and put your family first, sadly, many people in your shoes would not have done that. And uh, I understand that. I do. But you did the right thing. I, for it, me, yeah. I did. And I try not to judge because there's a lot of other people who have different reasons and legitimate fears. It was a legitimate fear that they wouldn't call back. And I also got better though. Like I got better at my craft. You honed your craft. During yeah. those three years. I really did. So and I knew I, I, I knew, listen, I had been talking to people there from about 2000 on until I got that offer and sending them tapes and getting constructive criticism and feedback, and they'd say, this is what you need to work on. They, at one point, there was a really good talent office there that would, that would help you and tell you what you need to do and work on, especially in local TV and to get there. Yeah. And there were four years, it's four years of them telling me, here's why you're not ready. Here's why you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to work on. So when they did call, and then I said, no. But you know what, those three years, so many reasons, but you honed your craft. At the end of the day, it's God's timing. He it brings is. it back around on his perfect timing. I know me personally, I want it now. I want it yesterday and I want it now. I, but God sometimes says, hold on. I've got something better. If you wait these three years, it's going to be better. You're going to get better. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what it happened. Was awesome. And you had to take that leap of faith again at ESPN 15, 16 years later. 
um, after you finally come on board in 2007. By the way, I remember watching you in D.C., Baltimore. No way. Living in the D.C. area, a Comcast Sportsnet, yes. So Wow. And then recognize you on ESPN from my D.C. days. But, okay, you go to the worldwide leader, anchoring major events for 16 years, one of the main faces on ESPN. When do things start to unravel for you after a highly successful career at ESPN? When do things start to take kind of a sour turn? In hindsight, I can look back to the network changing like in 2016 after Trump won. Because that's when people started yeah. to get really vocal and I was confused because that wasn't allowed. We weren't supposed to talk about politics or give our opinion. So why all of a sudden are you know, on-air yeah. um, co-workers of mine speaking so publicly and so negatively. As a viewer and a sports fan, it was a noticeable shift. Really? I'm saying, you know what, sometimes you just want to escape. Sports is the great escape for yes. many Americans. We can tune out. I cover politics, world affairs all the time. I wouldn't just watch the game, yet I'm getting left-wing political diatribes on ESPN. So you working there obviously saw it up close. It was hard, and I, but then there were, there were, there were no repercussions on those people. So I, I remember sending um, one tweet in particular. I retweeted something that ESPN had tweeted, and it was Bucks receiver Mike Evans, mm -hmm. who it was the Sunday after the election, and he took a knee, and you know it was a big deal. Everybody's oh my gosh, taking knees all of a sudden. And they they interviewed him afterwards, and you know they weren't tweeting ESPN's Twitter. They weren't um, posting about his stats that night or the result of the game. It was him talking about why he was kneeling, which has nothing to do with the game. So when they tweeted it out, I thought, wait. And then his answer was he just thought it was so wrong that Donald Trump had won the election and ends up he didn't even vote. So <laughs> that was a lot of athletes were like wow. that, where they would say things, but you didn't actually, if you were so oh. passionate and didn't want him to win, Sometimes it wasn't about Hillary winning, it was about not wanting Trump, right? Yes. Um, and vice versa for many people. You're absolutely right. It's always right. the lesser of the evils, it seems like. like you yeah. know, what's the least painful for many? And so go do something about it, but to do nothing, sit in your hands, not vote, and then complain, and then publicly as a public figure, take a knee, make a statement. I had a problem with that. So I retweeted it, and whoa. <laughs> but I retweeted something my network tweeted. It wasn't like I'm trying to stir the pot. But I, yeah. that was the beginning for me, my first time really... Um, upsetting people with my opinions, and I was like, you Did know, they know you were conservative at the time. Uh, yes, word had gotten colleagues. out. Word had gotten out. I've wow. never, I will say this, I never ever once during my time at ESPN, not once in almost 17 years, talked about my pop politics publicly. I never said who I voted for um, because it wasn't anyone's business. Right. And by the way, it has nothing to do with how I do my job. It doesn't. No. So I never ever discussed it on any social media platform, on our airwaves for sure. I'm a journalist. And I think they're- Imagine that. Right. So that was then. Times have obviously changed, but they allowed it. So that was the first one. And then things happen, happen, happen. And then I, I mean, it came to a head in uh, September, October, 2021, when I went on the Jay Cutler podcast. And Tell us about that. that. Now, I mean, like you said, things came to a head there. But Jay Cutler, obviously, former quarterback, Chicago Bears, most notable in his career. But basically, you questioned Disney, ESPN, Disney, the parent company of ESPN, of course. You questioned their vaccine mandate. Yes. And you weren't the only one. And secondly, you made remarks about 
President Obama, former President Barack Obama. You are biracial, of course. He's biracial. And you said, well, look, he, he claims he claims he's a black man, but what about his white mom, his white grandmom who raised them? Which I think were very valid points. But that you made these comments, and I'll, I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, Sage, I'll let you unpack it more. Um, but that created all of a sudden kind of an internal firestorm at ESPN and daggers coming your way from outside of ESPN. Tell us more about that and that whole experience. With the Obama thing, I was actually just retelling a story from what happened when I was co-hosting The View mm-hmm. in 2014. And you Barbara survived Walters. to tell about that? Wow. Four times I did it. I know. Would I go back now? Absolutely not. No. Would they invite me? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's mutual. It's fine. But at the time, I mean, again, ABC, ESPN, both owned by Disney, same umbrella. So right. it was a natural thing. And Barbara Walters brought up Obama. I never brought up Obama. She, they were like, why are you so passionate about being, saying that you're biracial? I said, well, that's what I am. Right. And so if I'm asked, as the, as the ladies of The View did that day in 2014, so almost 10 years ago, um, I'm going to say yes. Like you're showing a picture of my family behind me on the screen, live studio audience and national right. TV, and it's my white Irish Italian mother and my black father and us three kids who happen to be 50% of each. I have always said that I felt so proud to be part of such a diverse family where mm-hmm. my white family loved me as much as my black family. Like that's what America is turning into and a melting pot. And I've just, you know, people get in trouble for saying they don't see color. Obviously you see it, but you don't let it dictate any way that you live your life, speak, believe, nothing. So I, again, I think I was just innocent and sheltered because of how accepting and diverse and tolerant the military was coming up. So when she asked me that question, Barbara Walters on ABC on live TV and said, well, what about the president? And I said, well, what about him? She goes, well, he, he was raised by a white mom and he says he's black. And I, and I said, I think it's interesting that he has a white mother and a white grandmother who raised him. His black father was nowhere to be found. He wrote a book about this. This is not breaking news. He, he's talked about that loss. Um, I said, I think it's fascinating to completely not identify with the white side when there was a lot of love there and just to focus on, just to say you're just black. However, you do you, I'm gonna do me. That's what I said to Barbara in 2014, what I said in the podcast in 2021. I am grateful for my entire family. I always say the joke that, you know, I'm pretty sure my white mom was there the day I was born. And so why would I- (laughs) She was involved in that a bit. She was. Why would I not celebrate my entire family? Because I said what I, the way, I guess my words about Obama, even though I was repeating Barbara Walters, um, in 2021, it hit different. And I was crushed. And then the headlines were Sage Steele says Barack Obama shouldn't identify as black. And she hates, she hates her black father and blah, blah, blah. Like the mainstream media, there's a reason why it's not trusted and why it's despised. And my experiences through the years, but especially at that point, I always say to people, I always said to athletes, like, I understand why you don't trust us. And then I was on the receiving end of that for sure. So saddened me. uh, But the Obama, listen, he's one of my dream interviews. I sure. hope someday that I can sit down with him to, yeah, I was, you know, he, he knows what I said and it, cause it got to be kind of a big deal, sure. but um, it's more about just being tolerant and accepting of what, however someone, listen, we're allowing kids in my daughter's school in, in suburban Connecticut 
to call themselves a cat for a day, okay? The furries. Yeah, the furries. The furries <laughs> are accepted in Avon, Connecticut. Yes, so guess what? Um, if you want to say that you're all black and, and not pay attention to your white side or vice versa, you have that right. Yeah. I respect it. But I, but I also think, wait a minute, gosh, why would you question me then when I'm just proud of my entire, I'm not picking one or the other. They're all important. So it devastated me that it, I was, um, you know, viewed as not being proud of my black side or my father or being hateful towards blacks, which is what and you and your dad were black tight, Twitter and or are tight, are, are very yeah, tight. We, we've talked yes. About this. So that was that. The other part certainly was the vaccine. Yeah. Um, and it's looking pretty good in hindsight now. Your, right. Your comments. Isn't right? that funny? In 2024. How quiet everyone is yeah. about it. The very thing is, in order to keep my job, I had to get it. And yeah. I waited to the very last second, the last day. Yeah in order to be fully vaccinated by the time the September 30th, 2021 deadline hit. Mm -hmm. um, what did you need, two weeks after getting the shot to mm -hmm. have it fully in you? Yeah. Great. So I waited till that day to do it. And I was, I had been praying about it and I was ready to walk. I wow. literally was like, this, this might be it for me because yeah. I don't trust what's in it. It's just at that time it was happening too fast for me. I did, Eric, I did my homework. Like, I knew yeah, no that the FDA takes an average of six to nine years mm -hmm. to approve a vaccine. How fast did, was this shoved through? Six to nine months. Right. If that. And it became political. It didn't matter if it was Trump or Biden. It was all being forced on us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with no explanation and no um, just reassurance. And most importantly, yeah. again, I did my homework and I knew, wait, these pharmaceutical companies aren't being held accountable like, mm -hmm. you can't come back at them for any reason if there is a vaccine injury. For them to completely not have any responsibility, and that's how it was presented when we were told to take it, yeah. it just made me scared as a mother as well. But yeah. I had to take it in of order to, to keep my job. And I, on the podcast, I just said, um, I mean, Eric, I had the Band-Aid on my shoulder still when I said it. Because I had literally come right from there and I'd been crying because yeah. I didn't want to do it. And came on the podcast. I should have taken it off. I didn't even think, I didn't even care. I was angry for sure, but I, I want, listen, I'm a pro. I know what I'm saying, what I'm mm -hmm. not saying. So when he brought it up, I said, um, I think it's sick and scary for anyone, any company to tell you what to do with your body. To mandate it. To force it. And, and I said, but I work for a global company, Disney, and, I, and I'm not surprised. I just don't think it's right. right. But here I am because I had um, you know, I'm the sole breadwinner. I'm yeah. divorced. I have three kids that I'm 100% responsible for financially. Mm -hmm. Their father's a great father, but yeah. the financial, it's all on me. So I had no choice. I felt I didn't in order yeah. to support them. And I just was honest while complying. So I can have an opinion mm -hmm. if I'm complying. Well, everyone else at the SBN does about various political topics, but from a left-wing bent, you came at it from the other side and you caught. And then I, the phone calls began and my agent said they're livid and if you don't apologize, then you'll be fired. And um, the bosses called me and said, one boss in particular, and said how you can't, what did he say? You can't whack the company, you whack the company. I was like, what do you mean? I, 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 I can have an opinion. They're forcing me to do something in my body, but I took it. Leave me alone. And they said no. And if you don't apologize, and then we're going to suspend you. And then we're going to then they followed up my forced apology with, well, we just, while we respect diverse opinions and thoughts, 
but then you're going to silence me. So it was my dark, the darkest time in my life. And I want to talk about your faith, too, and the role. You mentioned prayer a few times, Sage, and the role that played in getting you through some dark times and kind of turning points in your life. But real quick, just in watching ESPN, I've seen ESPN hosts over the years criticize the parent company in terms much stronger than you used. But it seems to me there was a double standard here. Did you feel that way? That's Where you why have, I sued. That's why I filed a lawsuit. Tell us about that. So finally, so you know, enough is enough. And you went the legal route. Tell us about that. Yeah, and I, I saw my colleagues, um, even while I had an active lawsuit, I believe the timing was, yes, because when Roe versus Wade was overturned, mm-hmm. um, I think it was the day of the NBA draft, right around then. Yeah. And um, we had our hosts going on NBA shows emotional, in tears about Roe v. Wade being overturned and saying how wrong it is and how it's going to, um, you know, we're going to cause the death of women. And, the Handmaid's Tale and, and oh, all that stuff, yeah. And you an, were still there at ESPN. You had to kind oh, of witness yeah. this. and On an NBA show to talk about that, on women's college basketball, right. on First Take, on all of these platforms, giving their opinions on these non-sports topics. I got in trouble for giving my opinion on an off day on a separate podcast, sharing my thoughts on my experience as a biracial woman. That's my personal story that I can share. And I shared a story about, you know, Obama from nine years prior. They were fine when Barbara Walters brought it up to me. And then also about the vaccine that I took, um, but had hesitation in doing it and just shared it. So the double standard was shocking. Shocking. It's unbelievable. But you know what it did? It helped prove my point. It helped. Yeah. That's that's why I I got a settlement. Yeah, I'm sure your attorney Disney. was like, keep well, it coming. They kept they. Kept, it's like on a platter. And no one was reprimanded for these, you know, pro-abortion comments. Frankly, that ESPN host made a host of other comments during the George Floyd riots. We can go on and on and on. No one reprimanded. None. And that was the thing. I was the only one ever disciplined. Why? Because they knew where my Politics leaned, yeah. um, even though I never said it. And this is coming from kind of the, the big bosses at ESPN, left, left leaning, and that's probably an understatement. All of them. And then, again, when Disney's your parent company and how they have made it very clear how they, where they stand on issues, you can't even go to Disney World anymore. Mickey Mouse, when you walk in, doesn't say, hi, boys and girls. You can't say boys and girls anymore. Um, but you look at it and I think, by the That's way, insane. it's ridiculous insane. and it breaks my heart because to me, there's so much joy at Disney. That's how I grew up. That's how my children grew up. Yeah. The, the product for our whole lifetime has always been incredible. Yes. The movies, it was wholesome. Fond it was memories. a safe place yes. to, to plop our kids down when we needed to go do a load of laundry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? hundred percent. And those times have changed recently though. It's interesting that CEO Bob Iger admitted recently that they went to woke. And because it, but why? Because it affected their bottom line. Exactly. So the only reason there was an admission was that my thing was you cannot pick and choose who you allow to speak and give, who you allow to give their opinions on our airwaves or privately, which mine was, you know, Mm -hmm. off the airwaves. You can't pick and choose. Either it is allowed or not. And I push hard. And this is what I, the why behind standing up for myself and the lawsuit Mm -hmm. is truly because of diversity of thought. Yes. That's, I have led with that. It's your First Amendment rights. It's freedom yes. of speech. 
It is. This is cancel culture. Correct. In, in real time before our very eyes. Correct. And you stood against it. I just knew that I had to. And you had a lot on the line. Everything I on mean, the line personally. Three kids, a sole breadwinner. I mean, And the career, your career that I loved. The job that I adored to the last day. And folks, she's great at it, by the way. If they haven't seen you on ESPN, I mean... Too late now. It was your life. <laughs> no, but better things are in store. Oh, for sure. But I just, I yes, this is my story. This is my why. This is where I got, why I got here. Um, and I do need to, to make one clarification because I've been killed on social media where people saying, yeah. um, First Amendment doesn't apply to employers' employment, which is true. Here's the key. In the state of Connecticut, there is a different statute. And so you are actually allowed to be critical of your employer if you are complying with the rules set, uh, set forth. So I didn't know that, I just was speaking, mm -hmm. but when they then crushed me and canceled me and made me apologize and took me off of a bunch of events and the continual punishment, we realized- Some big events. Big events. I mean, large sporting events. I hosted the Rose Parade yeah. for years and then that was gone. I mean, there were a lot of things, but- um, Just coincidentally, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> Of course. Then we, then we, it was just a blatant double standard. Thank God you went and, and you filed a lawsuit. But I just don't want you or anyone to think that like, oh, this is a, woe is me, because I'm beyond that. No, this, I think everyone I, listening, watching right now can see you're not that kind of person. Well, I hope so. But if not, then I've actually let go of that too. Like I can't control, I no longer this was want justice. to control. This was justice. It was, but it's, it's, this is for people I don't know. This is Amen. for so many millions of people who feel silenced and who are told it's okay, be you. Identify how you want. Your truth. All of the, your truth. Yeah. Unless what? Unless you're a little more conservative. That's unless right. you're a Republican. Unless you're all those things. Unless you have a different opinion about um, you know, any of it, Roe versus Wade. About trans, yeah. How about the transgender and sports issue right now? And Leah Thomas. Give the me a break. University of Pennsylvania swimmer. Talk about that a bit. Look, you wanted to not remain silent about that issue, and there was pushback there too, right, at yes. ESPN, which came out, which had a very pro-trans bent, I would say, uh, ESPN. Yes, and I, again, I, I don't even, I, I know for a fact that all of the people who, who are making the decisions at ESPN, they don't believe it. Really? No, many so do. So they're not ideologues. Many do, well, many are, many, many do believe that, but many don't. The, the thing is that people are afraid to stand up. And yeah. I get it, oh my goodness. I am the poster child for why to stay quiet. You know, when you repeatedly get canceled. There's that, obviously there's another side to it, but. You are the textbook case of cancel culture in my view. Yes. 100%. Yes, but um, what I found, and this goes back to the prayer and the faith part, what I found was every time I got canceled, which was several, <laughs> um, I woke up the next morning and I actually, while suing one of the largest companies on the planet, yeah. uh, a true David versus Goliath thing. And winning. I still walked in that building with an active lawsuit and did my job because I loved it and I was proud of it. Like, I, I, I mean it when I say I adored my job. It was my dream and I did it and I, I loved every moment, but I, I while I'm suing them, I'm still, I'm still on their TV screen every day. That was scary oh and it gosh. felt awful. Um, How did you do it? You have an active lawsuit against this company yet you're still there every day hosting shows. I mean, I'm sure for hostility from months. some of your colleagues for 16 months. 
Oh, a lot of festivals. What was, I'm sure you had to pass by your bosses in the hall once in a while in Bristol and your colleagues, obviously. Uh, well, the colleagues obviously. attacked me publicly and were allowed to do that. And that was another thing I, part of my lawsuit where you're not supposed to attack, that's that, that's that ESPN on ESPN crime or whatever company, yeah. you're not supposed to do that. And then you're on set with these same yeah. colleagues. Mm -hmm. And they allowed it. Here's, here's, wow. here's the part that I, I hope, I know you will, I hope your audience appre appreciates this part um, because my faith is what got me through it. Amen. Um, Tell us more about This is about where that. I, get, I, I know I can't cry. Yeah, no, you can, <laughs> um, you can. It's all good. I haven't cried yet today, so I guess it's overdue. Um, <laughs> I, you know, when I got suspended and pulled off the air, two weeks later, I got COVID pretty bad. So that was the irony of the whole thing. I got your shot and now I'm bedridden yeah, and here it. I am. And I- um, Also insane, by the way. Right. We were sold a different bill of goods, but that's another story. Yeah. I was alone for eight days. My kids went to their dad's house. Um, and I was very sick and at the same time was being crushed and canceled. And this is after I was made to apologize, et cetera. So um, talk about a low point. And I remember one night, my heart three in the morning was like racing, racing, racing. It wouldn't stop. And I thought, is this because of the vaccine? Like, is it, am I dying? Like, it sounds dramatic, but, and I was alone. And so I realized I needed to go to the hospital. So I hadn't showered in a couple of days because I couldn't get out of bed. Of course. So I went to take a quick shower before yeah. you go to the hospital and I fell over. I was so dizzy, I, I fell over. And I realized that if I, I got in the shower and fell again and hit my head or something, no one would find me. I didn't have my kids, I wasn't married. My parents lived in a different state and my dad has a couple kinds of cancer and he couldn't afford, no one could afford to be around me. Yeah. And then some didn't want to be. So I just remember, I just got back in bed and was like, you know, um, I just prayed and said, I hope, I hope I wake up in the morning. Cause I didn't like the heart thing was crazy, you know? Yeah. And I woke up and um, every day got, you know, a little better. It was just crazy that it was happening at the same time as I was being lied about and Attacked. crushed publicly. Attacked. Yeah. Um, and then when it was time for me to go back to work, my parents said, forget it, we're coming. And they lived in Pennsylvania at the time and they got in the car and the, my parents are now 77 and 74. And again, with the chemo treatments with my dad, et cetera, um, they came for their little girl. Yeah. Doesn't matter how old we are, right? We're still their little girl or boy. Right. And um, a couple other things had come out and some lies and some articles that broke me. And they literally lifted me off the ground and then stayed with me. And the day I went back to work um, was my mom and dad and my best friend, Tiffany, who's also my makeup artist who makes me look presentable. <laughs> um, and my dad went back to his football days He's like, huddle up. The four of us got in a huddle. And I was shaking to walk back in that building after the suspension because I knew even more people hated me then for my opinions. You went into the lion's den. But the only reason I was able to is because of the prayer that my dad made us recite at that moment. For any Catholic watching or non-Catholic, but it's St. Michael the Archangel. Mm -hmm. And um, to protect us from the wickedness and snares of the devil. And he made us recite it in our football huddle. And I got in the car and I drove to Bristol and I walked in there and I did the first show. And every single day from that moment on, when I walked into the, when I drove into the parking lot, I always waited to the last second to put my mascara on. I put my mascara on when I'm listening to sports talk radio, last minute ideas that I might have. Yeah. And I call my mom and dad 
and we'd recite that prayer every single day until the day my lawsuit was settled and I never walked back in there again. Wow. So I did feel wow. protected every day when the I walked in there. The armor of God. I literally, the full yes. armor of God you were surrounded in. Literally. In the lion's den. Yes, I walked in there and I envisioned myself in a bubble that was like warm and friendly and <laughs> like a nice. <laughs> a Jesus bubble. Yes, because the outside was not so friendly, but I felt myself protected to only allow good energy in yeah. and to try to like serve with good energy coming out and keep smiling yeah. and focusing on the good. Cause there were good people. There were people who came up to me sure. in the bathroom quietly whispering, saying, thank you. But they couldn't say it out loud. But that prayer, when you envision what that prayer is about, it saved me. And what an awesome yeah. memory for me to have with my parents. And even if yes. they were, even if my dad was in the hospital getting his treatment, we would stop and he'd tell the nurses to give him a second and we'd do the prayer for 60 seconds. How blessed am I to number one, have that kind of a family mm -hmm. who stood by me, who taught me that. Um, and then to be able to be mature enough, that's what comes with age, right? That's right. To receive that and to keep walking in there, but to never back down because I knew what I was doing was right, number one, and number two, that the amount of people that I was hoping I could help by standing up, because I knew once I sued my career, there was gonna end. And that broke my heart too. But it was worth it if I could help others, and it sounds cliche, but the number of the thousands of emails and DMs I got during my suspension from people in different countries who didn't know me, but because Disney was involved, saw the news and said, yeah. thank you. And I didn't realize this is just this little girl who wanted to be a sportscaster right. who all of a sudden by standing up is like known. And I was like, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> what am I? We've compared you to the biblical heroine Esther who God called for such a time as this. And Sage, God put you in this position, this very difficult position, but he was with you. Those the whole time. Those prayers worked. And it sounds to me that this was it was larger than just a, a battle in the, in the natural, in the physical. The Bible talks about the Apostle Paul says, hey, we're battling spirits and principalities. Sound like an all-out spiritual attack, not oh. only in your professional life, but a very bad a case of COVID. You're isolated, you're alone trying to deal with this. And like you said, you're in the pit and God reaches out and takes you, surrounds you with your family, takes you out of the pit and says, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's, it's very, It's very emotional though, because I, I do sometimes think, um, gosh, why me? Why is he taking such good care of me? And am I, you know, you say, you question if you're deserving at times. Um, and then it's just like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen and I'm here. And I will say that because of that, because of being able to survive that, yeah. which again, I have perspective. I didn't have a terrible disease. I, I, I have such love around me. I have three healthy children. Like, I am beyond blessed. And this that's why I mean it. I'm sensitive but to- But it was a trial. It was. And I, I, mean, I, I don't want to minimize it. The stakes it, were high. It was I, a trial. But I know people go through more. So I try to just maintain perspective. But I do feel now that besides being a mother, like, I know why I'm here. Because God gave me the strength to, um, to not run away. When I, I wanted to run away. Oh my gosh, scared to death. Yeah. Um, but to stand up, stand tall, and speak out, yeah. 
Um, that is the beauty of what has happened since uh, I left ESPN yeah. is for the first time in my life, um, I've just been able to truly be me and give my opinions because my peers were always allowed to because they yeah. fit the narrative and I wasn't. So it's been a little scary because every time I, I say something or do something, I think, oh gosh, which, which Disney boss is gonna come choke me out? I'm you don't have something. to look over your shoulder anymore. It's, it's liberating. It's beautiful. And I'm so grateful for that because it is about, I, I just believe this is the only way that we're gonna turn this country around is to be able to have conversations. Yes. Um, and like, I, I don't, on Twitter, the hate and the, I've had death threats. I've had terrible things because of my opinions. It's so scary. But I wanna even respond to those who are really ugly and in particular, a lot of race baiters who I know, who I used to work with, whatever. I won't even respond to them because they're not willing to have a conversation. I also don't believe that they have any semblance of faith in them. I'm not judging. I'm just saying your actions are actually very loud and making a statement. And I don't want to, why would I go to some, onto some social media battle with someone who has nothing in their soul? Right. Like that's a waste of my energy. I'm already tired. True. Why am I gonna give it to Take them? Take the high road. And you know what? You're a light in the darkness. And you said, you know, sometimes I feel unworthy about the position, how God has blessed me. But I think Sage, I think everyone watching, listening right now can tell you have a humble spirit. There's a great humility about you. Despite all you've accomplished and being on air on ESPN for years and years, you have a humble spirit and gratitude towards God. And he's going to continue to bless that 100%. I feel that. 100%. I do. And, you know, some of your colleagues, the race baiters, the ESPN you mentioned, some said you weren't black enough. You yeah. even experienced that which is insanity. So that's when, and I, that's when it really began was in 2020 when that happened. And I was- George Floyd. Yeah, so COVID, so yeah. We, had, we, were, we were locked down in March. Yeah. George Floyd happened like May, Memorial Day weekend, I think. And then ESPN was having a, a special uh, race and sport and like that, that- I remember. Yeah. And I found out um, because the people who were behind making sure I wasn't on the show were bragging about what they did, which was to go to management and say they wouldn't be on it if I were on it because I wasn't accepted by the real black community. Yet your dad's the first black football player at West Point. Doesn't matter, Eric, it doesn't matter. It's about how you, you know, to them, it's about how you, um, how you act, how it's you politics, think. politics, it's ideology, your ideology. How you speak, how you talk, my, my husband, it's time, my ex-husband is white. Yeah. Like that, so I'm a sellout. So you're all of these things. Um, and so, but I, I did, I, I said, I went to my bosses when I found this out. I said, what is this? And well, let me do an investigation and let me. And there was never, one person said it didn't happen. Here's the key. As a woman of color, you're not gonna have me on that. Like why wouldn't, knowing I have different opinions. You should opinions, be celebrated. But that's, that's the, but again, it's almost the hypocrisy in it. I guess all black people are supposed to think the same, which, which is actually an issue that sometimes it's promoted within the black community. That's a problem. And you called this outside. out recently with Al Sharpton. You of said, course. go away. You don't speak for me just because we have similar skin color. You don't speak for me. Right. Of all people, you don't speak for me. And for you to think that you do shows such just selfishness and, right. and narcissism, you know? So when I brought that up to the bosses, they didn't acknowledge it. Um, but then when a reporter called, because things leak, and then I, I had to make a decision then too. Do I 
run away from this because I know what's going to happen um, with my colleagues and peers and um, all of the social media verse. Do I go silent or do I push this out there and say this is wrong to say because I'm not black enough? What, but what is that? And so we, we, my agent and I, who was incredible at the time, we put out a statement. And again, it was about diversity of thought. And yeah. the people who said who who got got me kicked off, um, they they released a statement as well. In the statement, if you look at it, there's not one acknowledgement of my accusation. Because why? Because they did it. They instead focused on something else and how there wasn't enough space for everybody. Um, if somebody accused me of something that I didn't do, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to address that and mm -hmm. say. That's a lie. That's not true. But they, they ignored it because it was a fact in ESPN. So shame on them. But how about the leadership that allows anyone to dictate who's allowed to be on a show based on their opinion of what's enough or what's good or what's bad or what's diverse or what's accepted? So that was a huge turning point when I knew that I had to stand up and say, no, you cannot preach diversity, DEI, you know, yes. tolerance, equity, and all these things, mm -hmm. and then silence me because I don't fit into your mold of what a black woman is supposed to be. It's injustice, and you have a habit, a good habit, Sage, of standing up against injustice, in my mm -hmm. view. It's unjust what's happening on college campuses, even at the high school level, where biological males who outweigh stronger, taller than, than females are kind of commandeering their way into female sports, and they're winning. It's just a complete injustice in my view and completely unfair to female athletes. Completely unfair. Of course they're winning because as the science tells us, which I know we like to pick and choose when we want to follow science. It was all about the science at the beginning of the pandemic and now they don't my want body, us to talk about choice. the science, right? Yeah, yeah. all of the things. Um, this is the most blatant issue. This isn't even about an opinion about a vaccine like I had or yeah. a, a mandate. This is males versus females from the yeah. beginning of time and how men are stronger. You are, and it's okay. Yeah. I don't want to have your body, you know? You don't want to have mine, like it's, it, it's okay. Um, you can't have children despite what they try to say. That's us, <laughs> we win that, you know? Yeah. And oh, by the way, all that comes with it, you don't want yeah. to. Good luck with that. Like, yeah, <laughs> but it's the biggest blessing of my life yes. that our differences should be celebrated. I am, I now know, I realize my strength now, I know how strong I am mentally um, spiritually and to be able to stand up and push through my own fears, and there are many, to stand up for what I believe in. Um, and also though, I also grew up with a very strong father who was so supportive of my mother yeah. and celebrated my mother while protecting my mother and being a real man. Um, and that's what yes. I grew up around. That's what I believe. And a man of faith. A man of faith. And that's what I want in my life for my daughters to have, for my son to be, to his yeah. future wife someday, you know? Of course. And I'm not gonna give up on that because it's real. And it's actually, I believe, one huge thing that is lacking in this country because men have been made smaller and made to feel guilty about every single thing. Ridiculed. White men in particular, like oh, all yeah, Every the sitcom you watch, the dad is the butt of jokes. Men yes. are ridiculed now. And we need you. I need you, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, I think that to be celebrating not just women, but then, oh, let's forget about it when it comes to the transgender sports mm -hmm. issue, you know, Title IX, like all this, we're gonna forget. But I need you, you need us. And you look at statistics. That's how God made us. Of course. We need each other. Of course. But when you look at statistics in any community, um, in the black community, we see this a lot. Bill mm -hmm. Cosby, before we found out 
truth about Bill Cosby, yeah. but back when he was everybody's, you know, America's favorite father, right. um, he, he spoke about this yeah. and the statistics of, you know, the black community and if 72%, I think it is, of children are born out of wedlock. Yes. And the facts, the research that has proven what that does to any kid, any race, it doesn't matter, black, white, green, whatever, mm -hmm. when there isn't a two-parent household, you know, when, when there isn't a mother and a father present, there's a difference. And to me, I do feel that, I, that there's hope because I think a lot of people are like us who just want, yeah. you live your life, I'll live mine, let's be respectful and kind. And hopefully, I mean, listen, my decision to get divorced was the most devastating decision of my life. Of course. Devastating, married for 20 years, together for 27, first boyfriend, all the things. Like, it's still, that's not what I dreamt of. Oh my gosh, it's devastating. Story for another day. My kids were much older and my ex-husband and I have a, are very good co-parents and are respectful and yeah. making it work because we love our children, you know? Right. And so I feel fortunate for our situation that we've worked hard for. Otherwise, we must continue to strive for the families to stay together. And yes. that's where it begins. That's why I think things are a mess, along with this being a very spiritual battle with a lot of evil out there that we've yes. got to combat. And if it means just little old me at ESPN standing up for that hypocrisy, there's some evil in that. Oh, yes. um, I have to do this. Like I know now that if I, if I don't, I won't be able to look in the mirror. Shame on me because I was given this platform I don't, I'm still in awe of it. And it still is humbling and scary at times because I was just this kid who wanted to talk about football and basketball. <laughs> um, but God has me here. And if I go quiet, what am I teaching my own kids or anyone else that's watching? So, okay, so just because I did well and was successful and made some money, yeah. then, then I'm a sellout. Yes. Then I'm then I've lost perspective. You gain the whole world, yet you lose your soul. Yeah, and I've seen so many good people lose their souls because of the almighty dollar, of because of fear. And I will empathize with the fear. I see why people are afraid to speak up. I do. I get it. Um, and sometimes they probably shouldn't. You need yeah. to make sure you're prepared for what's to come, even though I can probably tell you you're not prepared, no, no matter how prepared you are. God always seems to throw curveballs along the path. Okay, my, when I went through a tough time in college, my mom um, gave me this framed photo and the words in it said, if you want to give God a good laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> he and just I gave me like, a good laugh. Right? And I'm like, so true. oh boy, because didn't we all have our lives planned out? <laughs> oh I'm my gosh. 22, I'm going to get my first job. I'm going to get married at 30. Yeah. First kid at 32. Like, really? So true. Get over yourself. It's not about us. Rarely do my plans align with God's plan, but his plan's always good, always better, no doubt. When you're in it, though, you question it. Yes, you do. God, where is this going? Then in hindsight, you say, that, that's why I didn't take the ESPN job then. That's why I needed to wait three years. Thank God I waited those three years because then I was truly ready, had another child. It makes sense in hindsight all the time. You say, okay, God, I'll, do it yes. your, I'll continue to do it your way. Your way works. And that's why, um, you know, when I was deciding, when I was, the night before the lawsuit dropped, April 28th, 2022, I spoke to each of my children. One was at college, one was a senior in high school, one was a sophomore. And I spoke to each one separately because I wanted them to be prepared. It's for traumatic for them too. Very. 
I wanted to be, be, them to be prepared for what was to come because in the past they'd been attacked on social media too. They go find your kids is what they do. And so I said, I just want you to know that you don't have to defend me. Don't ever feel the, the need to defend me. No obligation. I would ask that all you say, if someone says something, teachers would say things to my kids, like coaches, just stop. And so I said, just say, you know what? We all have a right to our own opinion and my mom has hers. Don't say anything else that you don't want to say. I don't need you to do that, I got it. And so each kid had a kind of a different reaction, pretty supportive. My youngest daughter was the youngest and scared and just wanted to just, just want to go to high school and have a normal mom, would you shut up? Be left up? alone, right? Yeah. yeah. My son, who's in the middle of the two crazy girls, <laughs> and is a little more like he observes, he stays a little quieter. I said, but I, this is happening tomorrow and I just want to apologize if something comes at you, but I have to do this. I just feel, I was crying. He put down what he was doing, he looked at me, and my son said, Mom, it's about time you stood up for yourself. Wow. I thought this whole time I was protecting them by staying quiet. Yeah. I thought I was doing the right thing. And in the meantime, he'd been watching me get quiet and make myself smaller. And I just, I was in awe of him for saying that. So I knew at that moment that no matter if I lost the lawsuit, Either way, I'm gonna lose my job. Mm -hmm. At least I stood up. At least my kids, my son in that moment, saw that his mom wasn't gonna be yes. silent for something that was wrong. So that right there, our kids see everything. I thought I was a better Sponges. actress, yes. right? With all of it, they see, they see how we allow our spouses to treat us, how we treat our spouses, oh, yeah. how we treat the neighbor, how we are at work all of the things. And um, for my son, my 17 year old son at that point to say it's about time, I knew I'd be okay. Yes. I knew I was gonna be okay because Once my he kids, was on board, once your kids are on board. No, I'm not saying they liked it. I'm saying he understood it. He understood it. Yeah. Well, you inspired and encouraged your own kids. You're inspiring and encouraging kids, young ladies, young men around the world, not only in the United States right now, Sage, just from our conversation, I've held you for a long time here. Oh, we could good. go for like another I three hours. I love talking hours. to you. I it's know. Great. We have a I lot know. to talk about. We have to talk about Jordan-LeBron debates or whatever. We do. I want to talk sports on a separate podcast <laughs> and just kind of offline. By the way, your mom, we talked a lot about your dad, but your mom, Irish and Italian. Yeah. My wife, Irish and Italian. Beautiful. So I'm sure your mom is feisty, feisty. and tough, oh, right? Oh, my gosh. Get out. <laughs> Listen, my dad was a retired colonel, is a retired colonel. They called my mom the general. Sounds, Mona's sounds about in right. Charge. And I'll tell you this, my grandmother's name was Philomena Lena Dipertola. Wow. Okay? And my grandfather was a William Edward O'Neill. So the Dipertola O'Neill. I mean, how much more Irish and Italian can that get? Oh my gosh. So when Mona yeah. when Mona gets upset, when someone when someone wrongs Mona's daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm I'm about six four and a half. My wife is about five foot three. Oh wow. But I don't mess with her. She's, She's in tough. charge. And her maiden name is Caraccio. Oh, a that's good, A good beautiful. paisan. Caraccio. Yes, Caraccio. Yes, I love it. We know who's um, in charge. We in do. Your house. <laughs> 100%. My mom's parents were off the boat, as we used to say, from Ireland, from Western Ireland. So, wow. Yeah. Awesome. That's this country. That's what it we're is, made yes, up of. Yes, it's the know? American dream. That's diversity. Yes. It and is. we're trying to keep that alive right now. You're trying to keep it alive. Yeah, God has opened an amazing door for you now. Yeah. And to me, you're an exciting place in life, Sage. I mean, it's an open canvas right now. It's weird. And yeah, it's got to be weird, kind of liberating. I mean, you're at 16, 17 years at ESPN, the same company. 
Now you can kind of say what you want. You're not looking over your shoulder and there's endless possibilities ahead of you. Uh, you're in a great place. I agree. Thank you. I just, I didn't think this is how I would get there. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was going to be a lifer. I really didn't think. When you're an army kid and everything is move, 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 move. Mm -hmm. And then for the 16 years, the way I grew up, that's unheard of. And I, yeah. I told the bosses, I always wanted to stay there. I never wanted another job, but God had other plans. Yeah. And I don't know what the other jobs are. I, I'm trying to create things and do those things on my own now. Got the podcast coming? Yeah, I have a, well, I'm still, yeah, I'm still doing that on my own. Just, I'm trying to start a little YouTube channel yeah. with me and my best friend and we're idiots. The stuff it's we talk good. about, she knows all the dirt on me so she can mock me <laughs> and all the things. Um, other things I haven't really announced yet, but fun stuff to be, yeah. to have conversations mm -hmm. with people who are willing to, not everybody is willing yeah. to. What I really want is for people to feel comfortable, hopefully with me, mm -hmm. to share some adversity. Because I've noticed that every time I've come out and talked about, even if it's about my personal life with my divorce, which mm -hmm. I've not talked about publicly, it's still yeah. very sensitive and of I'm course. respectful of my kids and him. Mm -hmm. And um, But when I have mentioned it, there's so many people who'll reach out, strangers, who all of a sudden don't feel alone. Because if, if you're a public figure, especially if you're on TV and then it's like, oh, okay, great. Yes, makeup and hair and fun interviews and you have this glamorous lifestyle and everything's perfect, right? Oh. It's not perfect. And I've never tried to portray that. My social right. media, my Instagram in particular is very like, yeah. the dog pooped in the living room again. Right. Oh exactly. my goodness. Like I'm taking like, out the trash. Yes, <laughs> because who wants to, like, that's yeah. just not, I'm, no. This look, the jeans, I've been wearing dresses and foreign heels for 30 years. This is what you get, right? This is good. So I, when people share, who they are and can share their struggles, um, you bond over that. A vulnerability too. I hope I can get some yeah. big names to share some of that pain because out of the pain usually comes what? Some good. Some good. Yeah. And many times what evil people meant for evil, God uses for good. And he's doing that with you. He is, what a, and like what a. More to come. What a blessing. Hey, this was great. Thank you so much. We need to do it again. I'd love to. Uh, we're going to pray for your dad. We're going to keep praying for your dad. Thank I'm you. so glad you shared and, that. And my mom, we've got prayer warriors. Of course. The, the caregiver is such an issue. I think, unfortunately, millions of people understand that. Mm -hmm. When one spouse or, or a child, um, a parent, there's always someone else that's there to care for them. And we forget sometimes about them. Yeah. But my parents are my everything. And I would, Amen. I would love the prayer warriors to add Mona and Gary Steele to their... Mona and Gary <laughs> Steele and Sage Steele and your family. We're praying for all your future endeavors and thank you. great things lie ahead, Sage. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here today on the inaugural edition of the Stacks Cast. Oh my gosh. Couldn't think of a better first guest, I am Sage. honored. Hey, honored thank to you. have you. God bless you, And Sage. now you're thank kind you. of stuck with me now. Hey, I know. We're <laughs> going to be doing this more in the future. Thank God you. bless you, Sage. Thank God you. bless you.